Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And recording live from Brodsky International Studios, I am David. Thank you, David. (laughs) All right, so this episode, we've got some feedback on our last episode. Uh, And I'm going to let one of you guys read this because I wasn't on the last episode. Oh, sure. Um, I guess I will read this since I copied it in here. Uh, Ask Who is on the Discord, that's the Discord name anyway, uh, is a UK listener and says, The title of the Duke of Edinburgh is a hereditary title and is now held by Charles. However, his previous title of Prince of Wales still takes precedence. Charles is also the next in line for the throne if he becomes King Wild Duke. No, sorry. If he becomes King Wild Duke, the Dukedom of, Ed- Dukedom of Edinburgh would cease to exist as it would merge with the crown. So apparently, Edinburgh really is not a real place if you can simply uh, wink it out of existence like that. I guess so. Well, the dukedom would wink out of existence, not the city. I don't know. I (laughs) think the cities don't exist without dukedoms. Uh, Also says that the House of Lords is mostly composed of life peers, which are not hereditary, weird, and are awarded in batches by the Prime Minister. They have the power to scrutinize legislation and propose amendments. By strong convention, they will not turn back anything that was in the party of government's manifesto more than two times. Um, I'm glad they still have conventions that work. We kind of <laughs> got rid of those over the last four years here. The norms. Yep. All right. And we've got a second piece of feedback from our listener, Nick. Uh, it's about how to pronounce Edinburgh and also more stuff about the royal family. Oh, yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah, we know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm keeping that in. Hey there, mind killers. This is the great Nick from the UK. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Just wanted to call up after your last episode. Well done. About half of you said Edinburgh, right? The other half of you said Edinburgh. It's like saying Buckingham Palace. It's something that UK people love making fun of Americans for saying wrong. Although, if you look at how we spell words and then how we pronounce them, we're definitely in the wrong with that. Also, I loved Enias not knowing Edinburgh is a real place. Like, not knowing Timbuktu is a real place. The other question you asked uh, was about how people in the UK really felt about the Queen and the royal family. And I can say most of my close friends don't really care about the royal family or the Queen. We like a bit of the pomp and circumstance, but none of us would really know the rules for succession or any of the ridiculous traditions that there are in place for royalty. Two of the biggest and most read newspapers in the UK do talk a lot about the Queen and the royal family as, as a big thing. I guess you could sum up by saying a lot of the establishment cares about the royals, but the average everyday person doesn't. There's probably only about 10% of people who have something like the, a photo of the Queen in their house or something like that. Anyway, thanks for all that you do and keep up the good work. Uh, all right. Thank you, Nick. So moving on to our top story this week. This one's from David. Yeah, so um, if we have any listeners in India, I am sorry uh, for listeners who are not in India and aren't paying attention to India and aren't reading Svi Moskowitz's blog. You really should do at least one of those three things. Um, And also, India is getting hit really, really hard by the COVID variants. Uh, They did not have... Uh, the vaccination infrastructure they really needed to 
uh, get on top of that, and they're also not as totalitarian as uh, China. Uh, as some so other countries. Yes. You know, they were not going to name. Yeah, so they weren't able to lock down as harshly, and that has led to them being uh, very hard hit by the COVID variants, and their um, official numbers are very bad and also almost certainly low because India has fairly low state capacity. So it's not great. Um, I had a note on here that um, the U.S. was doing fuck all to help. Um, but it actually came out today that we are going to be shipping 60 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine, which, remember, we're not using. We're just stockpiling for no reason. Um, we're going to send that out to um, the rest of the world, including India. And we're going to be sharing raw materials with India uh, to make the AstraZeneca vaccine themselves. Uh, I don't have a lot of details about that because I said the announcement just came out today. Um, but it sounds good. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that, and hopefully we, we actually follow through. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely too late for several thousand people, but better late than never, I guess. Yeah, and it's really not that late, because their raw case count is is about equal with ours. And they have, like, three times as many people, so it could it's got a ways to go. But they're having over 300,000 new cases every day right now, right? 300,000 new cases a day? That's what I heard yesterday. Oh, man, that's so many. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess that makes sense. That's like, yeah. Oh, that's that sucks. Um, So hopefully, hopefully they can they can stop the at least the increasing case count and hold steady until we can get some vaccines over there. It's going to be a rough uh, time. Yeah. Our heart goes out to you, India. Um, On domestic COVID news. The FDA halted the use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for about a week, um, and they lifted it, I think, yesterday or over the weekend. Um, so we had this sort of pointless week where no one was allowed to use Johnson & Johnson. Um, vaccine hesitancy obviously went way up. Um, this was another blood clotting issue, same with AstraZeneca. It There was one death. And six cases out of seven million total shots. Uh, I saw some analysis that suggested that women between 18 and 50, um, the risk was high enough that it made sense to avoid the vaccine just because they were a much smaller sample. um, And it seemed to only be affecting that particular demographic. Yeah, it looked to be a very specific kind of, uh, of aneurysm, of clotting. That was happening that they were uh, more susceptible to and based on the fact i mean it depends a lot on what your lifestyle is like and where you are if you are in the u.s and you can work from home then absolutely uh wait to get one of the other ones but if you're someone who has to interact with the public a lot or you probably can't get an mrna one within the next three to six months then go ahead with the Johnson & Johnson one. The The analysis is that, I think I saw this when you did, the analysis was uh, for a three to six month period, the risk of catastrophically bad COVID is about equal to the risk of uh, this blood clot. So they more or less break even and thus probably better to wait for the mRNA unless, you know, you are having a greater than average amount of exposure. But yeah, dudes, anyone over 50, you should be fine. So get that J&J shot. Right, because anyone over 50, you have a much greater risk of COVID actually fucking you up. 
Mm-hmm. Also, if you have you know other complicating factors like huge obesity or smoking or something, probably a good idea to get the shot anyway. Yeah. Also, the uh, women under fifty thing is probably just a dog whistle for people on birth control. Oh. Uh, so if you are a woman under 50 and not taking birth control, you're probably fine. But also, like, I'm not an expert on this, so... Yeah, I've heard some speculation that this could have all been from interactions with birth control, but I haven't I haven't seen any kind of um, data on that or confirmation. All right, so our next case is something I wanted to highlight... Um, it's not really huge news, but it's a um, a student speech case that's going to be heard by the Supreme Court this term um, called Mahoney Area School District versus BL. And what's going to be decided is whether schools can punish students for off-campus speech. Oh, um, wow. Now, this has been addressed uh, sort of before. But it was at, um, like, school-sponsored activities or something that had to do with the school. And they said they could regulate that speech. But this was this was just a social media post. A, uh, I think a cheerleader uh, didn't make the varsity squad and only made JV and posted on Snapchat, like, fuck cheerleading. <laughs> <laughs> and got, uh, you know, got disciplined for it in school. And ensued, and the, the Supreme Court's now going to decide if they're allowed to do that or if they, uh, they're limited to in-school or, uh, you know, school-related uh, settings. I'm kind of uh, disappointed that this even is a fucking question, but I guess on the other hand, minors have absolutely no rights in this country, so I shouldn't be fucking surprised. Yeah. You know, is uh, fire on the, um, the plaintiff's side? I don't know. I read about this on SCOTUS blog, so I did not mm. see this highlighted by any particular organization. Um, oh, uh, hang on. Our fact-checking department is uh, <laughs> getting right on that. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of an interesting question because intuitively it makes sense that if someone's like talking shit about the cheerleading squad, you can kick them off the cheerleading squad. You know, but if you actually look at the constitutional question, since this is a government actor, um, you have to say no. You know, she's a, she has free speech rights. So, uh, fire the foundation of, for individual rights in education, a uh, First Amendment badass public interest law firm, um, have uh, filed an amicus brief uh, in favor of the plaintiff here. So, say so they are not. Uh, um representing representing but they are but they have thrown their hat into the ring so to speak yeah and i uh i you know i care about this case because uh, tinker versus des moines is the the underlying case that is uh being examined um which is one of the reasons i became a lawyer was that case yeah um because i learned about it in middle school and it like blew my mind that I actually had free speech rights that like this, <laughs> my teachers and the school administrators couldn't punish me for. What's the details behind that case? Uh, so Tinker versus Des Moines is the uh, seminal in-school free speech case, and it's about students who were wearing black armbands in school to protest the Vietnam War. Oh, and their teachers tried to discipline them for it because they were all uh, you know squares. <laughs> 
and uh, they sued, and the Supreme Court held that if they're not disrupting school, then you can't punish them for expressing a political opinion. Sorry, Wes, uh, squares is dated terminology. Nowadays, we call them bootlickers. Well, yeah, but this was in the 60s. That's fair. So they were squares. Yep, valid criticism. Um, Also, uh, the excellent podcast Make No Law uh, has an episode on this. Uh, Not about the case we're talking about, but uh, the Tinker case. Oh, yes, they do. I'm pretty sure I've heard that one, and they do a pretty good uh, analysis of it. Uh, All right, uh, Ineash, next story is yours. Yeah, this is a kind of a really minor story, but I brought it in here because I was interesting on Wes's, interested in Wes's take on it. Uh, there, Adobe, um, the you know Photoshop company is what most people know them for. Uh, they have an option where you can license their software by the month, or you can license their software by the year. Uh, they also have an option where you can license it by the year, but pay monthly because it's cheaper to license it for a full year than, you know, month to month. But some people don't have all the money to pay for a full year up front, so they just pay it, you know, each month over a period of time. Yeah, if you commit for the year, they give you a discount. Yes, exactly. Basically is the, is the deal. Yeah, and there is uh, there have been a number of r- shocking reports about people who committed to the full year and then canceled partway through the year and uh, were incensed that they had to pay for a fee to end the uh, their one-year termination early. I'm not sure exactly what the fee is. I assume it's the difference between what they would have paid if they were paying month-to-month versus what they actually paid or whatever. But uh, Newsweek reported on this, and there's been a big movement claiming that basically this is why it is morally correct to pirate software because you have to pay a fee to get out of a year-long contract you sound signed. I'm not sure exactly. The whole thing just struck me as really stupid. But since you have this very strong pro-piracy stance in general, I was wondering like where you came down on this. Uh, so here's my take on this. First of all, if you clicked the link that you linked in the document, yes. you would see that the fee being complain- complained about is $291. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right for a uh, <laughs> Adobe product. Yeah. That's a pretty hefty cancellation fee. Um, my, my position on piracy is that if you're bringing morals into it, you're asking the wrong question. Amen. <laughs> um, I mean, that's your position on morals in general. So. Yeah, really. But especially when it comes to, uh, you know, capitalism. Like, yeah. you're, you're in the system. You're, those are the rules of the system, but that doesn't make them morally correct. Uh, you gotta, you gotta get, it's a pretty heavy lift to, uh, really make it coherent that paying for things is the moral thing to do uh you know under any um anything but like a system that says well you just gotta follow the rules whatever the rules are um so i you know that's that's my take on whether it's moral or not to to pirate it um in this case this just seems like a bad business practice would your contention be that people should have just pirated it in the first place and not bothered with the whole morality question well, no, I I actually pay for Adobe because okay. I like it, and I uh, you know I use it for my job, and I like having the the latest edition. I think they actually provide value for what you're paying for. Yeah, um, they keep adding new features. This is very useful. Um, I so I I don't pirate it. Yeah, I think I- it's I think it's worth paying for. But I am uh, I would certainly think twice before committing for a year. Now that I know the cancellation fees are that high i i know i i think that's a shitty business practice 
you you are a supporter of you know several things on Patreon, which are given for free anyway. So I realize you are really cool about paying things that you find value <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always say the reason I pay for video games is that uh, Steam made it more convenient to buy them than to steal them. That's the same thing Spotify did. Yeah, exactly. I pay for Spotify. Um. So, and I think Adobe does the same thing. It's just this cancellation fee does does strike me as kind of absurd. So they need um, a more fair cancellation fee. Is the yeah. mind killer take? Yeah, I think I think a three hundred dollar cancellation fee is ridiculous. Okay. Honestly, I'm not sure why they have the yearly but pay month to month option. It's kind of like weird. That that just I like. I, on the one hand, I like get the demographic they're shooting for there. Their demographic is artists. They have no money. Yeah, but like uh, I, I don't know. It just seems weird, and I. Well, that's also a thing. Like every software subscription has. I, so I've seen software subscriptions that have yearly and monthly, and the yearly is cheaper. This is the first time I've heard about them have a year having a yearly commitment where you pay month to month oh i see that all the time i guess you're just looking at different software than i am i guess he uses the business class yes <laughs> grave has a comment from the gallery okay gray says that that fee is higher than any fee he's heard of for canceling a two-year contract with comcast yeah and if you're charging more than comcast you're doing something wrong is it a comment from the gallery or the galley uh gallery. gallery but also we've established in fiction that he is the fact checking department so. oh sorry so a comment from the technical support yes okay or the truth support the the galley is the kitchen well i mean it's also of like a, a ship yeah uh that's a galley son of a bitch isn't that money no that's harry potter <laughs> <laughs> I thought Harry Potter money was based on real money. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's something J.K. Rowling made up. Son of a bitch. Thank you. Uh, although my headcanon is that they are named after they are named to that because they have pictures of galleons printed. Uh, Gray backed me up on that. He said a war galley is a type of sh- warship. Okay, thank you, fact checking department. <laughs> we we should have a fact checker in every podcast. <laughs> Anyways, are we are we moving on? Yes, yeah. All right. Next story, also from Eniash. Yes. Uh, so back in the 2008, we had a big financial crisis when the housing bubble popped. And people may remember they made a movie out of that, which was quite good. Uh, which is surprising for basically an economic, you know, wonky thing. But they managed to make it interesting. Anyways, the movie mainly focused on a guy named Michael Burry who was yelling for years, being like, hey, there's a big bubble. This isn't supposed to happening uh, be happening. And he shorted the market for years and finally ended up making big money instead of going completely broke because the bubble popped uh, in time for him to not be bankrupted by this. Anyways, uh, he's doing basically the same kind of thing now, except saying that uh, there's a lot of stock market uh, hype and overinflation, saying that there's too much leverage and, you know, sounding the same sort of alarms anyway. And uh, he's been doing this a lot on Twitter. And the SEC was very unhappy about him saying these sorts of things and started investigating him and doing other pressury, what I would consider, you know, things that the government shouldn't really be doing. Like when an investor is saying that this, this investment is probably a bad idea publicly, you don't go after them. But uh, they did, and he ended up deleting his Twitter profile. And um, I guess they managed to get him to shut up. 
Yeah, a friendly reminder that the SEC, um, despite not being a uh, public health-related agency, is still a member in good standing of the Delenda Est Club, (laughs) since their function is basically just pure um, rent-seeking from Wall Street. It's just a nice little consolidation so that all the big bankers can do all their lobbying in one place and there's no confusion or fuss. Oh, that they convenient. suck. At least it's efficient. Yep. Also, this is why Elizabeth Warren is terrible, because she talks a good game <laughs> about regulating the big banks, but in practicality, what she means by regulating is uh, allowing rent-seeking for, since she was one of the people pushing the creation of the SEC, after 2008, and... Whoa, 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 whoa. The SEC wasn't created until 2008? Uh, I may be thinking of a different... You're thinking of the Consumer Finance Protection yep, Bureau. Yep, yep, okay, yep. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of the CFPB. Um, but they are also bad for largely <laughs> the same reasons. <laughs> and the fact that Liz Warren hasn't learned her lesson leads me to at least suspect that it's intentional. Also, thank you, know. Greg. <laughs> Sounds like a comment from the wealthy and well-connected to me. Yep, that's me. Wealthy and well-connected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know us. Uh, couldn't get through with the straight face. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that seems pretty uh, pretty shitty of the SEC. Um, I would probably would not take a lot of evidence to convince me that they suck. So Yeah. In other cancellation news. Ooh. <laughs> Enosh, is this you again? Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, mainly because the American Humanist Association, for people who were around in the uh, atheist wars of the late 90s and early 2000s will remember. Ooh, sorry. Will remember, um, humanist is another word for atheist in those times, and the Atheist Humanist Association is indeed an atheist organization. And Richard Dawkins is famously one of the four horsemen of the uh, new atheist movement. Anyways, in 1996, he was given the uh, A8. AHA's uh, Humanitarian of the Year Award for his work in, I don't know, pointing out that religion's a bunch of bullshit. Notably, uh, before there was anything, before uh, New Atheism was a thing. Yeah, it was, it was already sort of a thing. I guess it wasn't a really well-known thing. It was starting to gather yeah, that, steam. That the term uh, was not being used yet. Okay. Yeah, my understanding is that like it was pretty underground until 2001, and then yep. 9-11 happened. Right. And then they were like, it was the religion. <laughs> I was one of those hipsters that was in it from the very beginning, back before oh, it was man. cool. It's <laughs> an atheist before it was cool. Yep, back when they were all playing in dive bars and shit. Well, I'll have you know that in 1996, a girl told me she wouldn't date me because I wasn't religious. So there. Nice. You have your atheist cred. Uh, but yeah, they gave him the Humanist of the Year Award, and now they have taken it back back somehow i guess i think you can just say backsies and it goes back i i'm not sure exactly how that works because he was still declared the humanist of the year in 1996 so i would after this happened if i was richard dawkins till the end of my life i would put 1996's american humanist association's (laughs) humanist of the year on all my books because that doesn't stop being true yeah i like to think that they uh like there's a swat team of 
elite atheist humanist special <laughs> operatives who like took a black hawk to his house right broke in through a second story window and stole the plaque from the box in his attic or above his fireplace <laughs> or wherever he keeps it as long as he physically controls the award he is still the humanist of the year <laughs> yes that's how awards work i don't even know if there was a physical award i imagine there might have been they're proud. There usually is for that sort of thing. Yeah. When you when you give out meaningless awards, there's uh you know, you can do whatever you want. There's no rules. Exactly. No rules just right. <laughs> yeah, the reason I guess we never got to that part because the whole thing was so silly. The reason uh he got the award revoked or whatever is because he tweeted that um the transracial people are a thing, I guess. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was basically like uh, the same arguments you make for transgender apply just as well for transracial. And I mean, yes, that's true. That's something I remember saying on the Mindkiller podcast not too terribly long ago. Aha! Yeah! Ah, now I know why you put this story on here, because you wanted to push your radical transracial agenda. I know! I'm too trans-accepting, I guess. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because they said, no, no, there's no such thing as transracials. They're all just diluted, and you can't say that. So who's the real transphobes now, huh? Uh, while we are in the business of getting ourselves canceled, uh, <laughs> now it, it does seem like a good time to remind people that while transracials may or may not exist, uh, Irish and people of Irish descent are non-white people of color. And... Uh, Call it, implying otherwise is erasure of their centuries of oppression at the hands of uh, white Anglo-Saxon Europeans. I don't know. I think they've all transitioned to white now. So, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. So some of the things people do to change race are are pretty extreme, and I I you know I respect that. I consider if you identify with something so much that you're willing to do that to your body and your life, then it's legit. I too have seen Tropic Thun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so the thing about the thing about the, the transracial idea is uh, that always strikes me is that everyone is okay with it when you're transitioning to white. Yeah. It's only when you're transitioning away from white that everyone has a problem. Hmm. And the, it, that to me is just the that the 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 woke is the new cool idea, um, and that in you know the on the left it's cool not to be white. That's higher status than than being white now. Um, At least when on you're the woke in, left, you know these these leftist spaces. Yeah, and it's like they they view someone trying to like uh tra transition to non-white as a kind of like stolen valor kind of thing. I see. When they could just be transitioning to non-gendered. Yeah, right? All right. Uh, now, some news about cops. Yay. <laughs> uh, I, I guess both of these were mine as well, but I'm sure we heard about at least the first one. All right? Yes. Okay. So, uh, the apparently, two teenage girls got into a dispute about uh, how messy the place they were living in was, and uh, someone ended up trying to stab another person over it because, I don't know, I, I guess... I guess things can get heated and out of control. I wasn't there. It sounds silly to try to murder someone over not cleaning enough, uh, but whatever. 
things build up. Anyways, uh, the cops arrive as the girl... Charlie, take note as you're planning to move in. (laughs) As the girl who initially called the cops uh, had gotten her hands on a knife and was about to stab her roommate or whatever... The other girl in the altercation, anyway. Uh, the cop arrived and shot her, and she died later. And so, yes, that is that is thing number one that happened with the cops. Uh, yeah, and it's only really a story because I, I I don't even know who it was, but it was a number of people were acting like this was another unjustified police shooting. Yes, it was very big in the news media for a while, uh, on NPR, <laughs> a lot of places. And it's like, okay... When a person is about to murder another person, I yeah I feel like that's the time yeah where it's okay to shoot them. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, probably would have been better if she'd gotten tased. Yeah, but like yeah. definitely, if someone in this situation had to die, it sounds like the, for lack of a better word, correct one did. Um, yeah, that like the 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 ability of the woke left to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory uh in them blowing up cases like this is just astonishing yeah like there are plenty of cases of unjustified police shootings why do you need to pick the one where you need to lie in order to push your narrative right doesn't have a doesn't scott alexander have a theory that it has to be the the one that's the most controversial yes because that way both sides have a lot of um a lot of vested interest in blowing it up if it wasn't controversial then the other side wouldn't push back and it would get buried quickly right it wouldn't even be a story yeah yeah i mean i i agree it'd be better if like she could have gotten tased or if the cop could have tackled her or something i don't know but on the other hand i also uh oh the name of the story according to our fact checker is the toxoplasma of rage but uh, oh, yes. i i don't i don't blame a cop for pulling out a gun to try to save, you know, someone that they saw as about to become a stabbing victim. I would have wanted yeah. that too. I mean, I agree with David that a taser would have been better. Um, and it would be great if our police, you know, were trained to use non-lethal methods and had non-lethal methods available. But you know, this is this is pretty low on the list of like things i want to change about the police uh sorry our fact checker is making faces which imply that he wants me to remind you that the term is less lethal because they are still very dangerous uh they're just less dangerous than bullet oh thank you fact checking department (laughs) (laughs) all right and what's this other cop story uh this one just happened i think either this morning or late yesterday, and I've been hearing about it. Uh, so the cops were about were trying to deliver a warrant of arrest to someone for some kind of drug-related charges. I'm not sure what, but they are obviously bullshit because they're drug-related, and there shouldn't be any laws about that anyway. And uh, instead of complying, he fled not in a wrong. car, and they shot at him, and he died. And uh, that's last I heard. So they shot another person. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm not sure how exactly to feel about that. I mean, they shouldn't have been arresting him in the first place, as I said, because drug laws are bullshit. Also, I'm not sure you need to shoot someone who's fleeing, because they're obviously not a danger to you. But also, there's something about, like, where cops are expected to apprehend fleeing people and are allowed to use deadly force to do that if they think they need to. I don't know. I'm not sure about the particulars or how I feel about them, for that matter. Yeah, no, that, like, it, it seems to me like the standard should be 
if they're fleeing and you have reason to suspect that they'll be a danger to the community if they get away, then you can use deadly force to apprehend them. Right. But if it's just like a nonviolent drug criminal or some other sort of drug criminal saying, oh, they're running away from us, guess we can gun them down. Right. If you sus- Seems like a fucking pants-on-head stupid standard. If you suspect that they are going to flee in order to provide uh, valuable goods to people who want to pay for them, probably shouldn't be shooting at that person. Yeah, and this, uh, I think this is North Carolina, so I don't know what the rules are there. Um, but I would guess that the rule you articulated is probably close to um, what the, the use of force guidelines are there. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any jurisdiction where they're like, oh, you can just shoot someone who's running away. No no, no questions asked. I wouldn't be super surprised to learn that that was the standard in South Carolina because, and I cannot emphasize this enough, I live in a miserable hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, hopefully that's not the rule. Um... All right, and this brings us to happy news. Yay! Where our first story is also about the police. Derek Chauvin is guilty. Yay! Uh, If you don't remember, Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd, and he was recently convicted of that. Um, This is kind of a big deal, because cops do not get convicted of murder uh, when they murder people most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the the uh, verdict actually went through despite the Democrats once again trying their damnedest to snatch <laughs> defeat from the jaws of victory. What they try to do this time? Are you referring to Maxine Waters? Yes, I am. Uh, Congressperson Maxine Waters uh, tweeted, I believe, uh, that essentially there should be people outside the courthouse ready to riot if they uh returned a not guilty verdict and that yeah and that's barely an exaggeration yeah um and the this was while the jury was sequestered but they didn't take their phones so they definitely could have seen that mm. um uh if you listen to uh, all the president's lawyers they discussed that and uh uh Ken felt that that was not very good grounds for any kind of uh you know overturn on appeal um so that's good yeah uh so one thing i am curious about do you think uh maxine waters could have any exposure there no okay um you you know you'd have to show like a real intent to to tamper with the jury uh and for the most part that requires contacting them directly okay uh, you know, if she if she told somebody, yeah, I hope the jury hears about this, then, you know, maybe. But I doubt she said that to anybody. Yeah. Um, there have been some really bad takes about this going around on both sides. Um, the worst take, as usual, goes to Fox News, who just uh, it can't can't bring themselves to not be shitty about it. Like, it seemed like back when this happened last summer that everyone was basically on the same page. They were like, okay, that that was that was probably murder. Yeah. Um, like he kneeled on the guy for four minutes after the paramedic told him his heart stopped. That's murder. Um, and Fox News just had to come out. And uh, I think it was Tucker Carlson who was like something like, oh, well, the jury only convicted because they were held hostage or something. Jesus Christ. And 
Uh, I know. Held hostage by who? By the government. <laughs> <laughs> but we've also got some bad takes from the left of a lot of people trying to say that you know this isn't you know a big deal. This is just one guy. Nothing. It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. And I don't think that's right because. What I saw in this case and why it made me hopeful is that his fellow officers testified against him. And that's something that I think is new. Yeah. Um, you know, you've probably heard about the, the blue wall of silence, which is basically that like cops don't testify against other cops. They don't rat on other cops. They don't turn in other cops. And that's why that that more than anything else is why policing is so bad in America. And that didn't happen in this case the you know other cops came forward and testified against him said what he was doing was not uh the correct way to handle it was not in line with the use of force guidelines and that was played a big part in why he was convicted uh one second we've received a note from our fact checking department fact checking department wants to know what west thinks if the appeal prospects of in light of incitement to riot or what do you think of appeal prospects in light of the incitement to riot uh, it's not my area, so I will defer to Ken White from all the president's lawyers when he says not likely. Okay. Uh, all right. Next piece of happy news. We're actually leaving Afghanistan. Probably for realsies this time. And I will believe it when <laughs> boots are hitting ramps on C-130s. And even if we do mostly leave, there's always going to be a few people left behind for advisory roles and shit, right? Well, no. This is this is supposedly this is everybody. I don't believe it. We still have yeah. people in Germany. Uh, supposedly by by the next 9-11, everyone will be out. Uh, I am more than happy to put money on that not happening. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that's what Biden says we're doing. Well, Biden um, says a lot of things. <laughs> um, you know, I... Uh, I, I was happy to see this just because leaving Afghanistan, um, actually pulling out all the troops was a Trump thing. Mm. It was one of the good things he did or, you know, planned on doing. Yeah. Started the process of. And so I was sure that Biden was just going to undo it because Biden loves wars and hates Trump. Uh, so I was actually really happy to see him at least announcing that this is the plan. I think this is definitely a happy news kind of thing as many even yeah. if we aren't completely out if we get the bulk of the troops out that's that's going to be great aside from possibly you know the taliban taking over again but yeah no, the plan the plan is definitely good i am just like extremely confident that in about three months uh a picture will hit the media of an Afghani using a pistol with a pistol brace, and Biden will be like, nope, we're staying until 2035. <laughs> you gotta make sure that they don't have any of the guns left. I mean, I think he better just be ready for what happens in a year and a half when there's pictures of girls getting executed for going to school. That too. I mean, when that happens, we can show the pictures of girls getting executed for going to school in, like, 12 other countries. Yeah, I mean, we could. We'll be like, hey, maybe let's invade a different one, you know. Yeah. Change things up a little. <laughs> yeah. We're not that hooked on oil anymore, so, you know, we can start messing with other countries. Okay. Our, uh, our, our fact-checking department is making a galaxy brain gesture. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Next happy news is that uh, a... Malaria vaccine has been developed that is 
seventy percent effective in early trials. Yeah, and this Fuck, this yes. is like the best happy yeah. news I think we've ever had on this channel. Yep, probably. Um, this is not the first malaria vaccine that's been developed, but it's in, is significantly better uh, than the most effective vaccine we had previously, which was only fifty five percent effective. So this is a big step up um, and could save a whole lot of lives. Not just lives, but just misery in general and help economic development of countries that are often plagued by malaria. Like it's just everything about this is fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know, malaria is terrible. Mm. Um, And the Against Malaria Foundation is consistently listed as a top charity on GiveWell. So one of the most effective uh, ways of... Uh, preventing death and human misery is to help prevent malaria. Yeah, and terrible in large uh, part because of how widespread it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm just so delighted about this. I, it always makes me happy whenever we get a, a good blow in against one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. And uh, this definitely uh, rates. But also... I am also willing to put money down that um, approximately five minutes after malaria is uh, eliminated, the Against Malaria Foundation will uh, release a memo announcing a pivot and a decision that (laughs) systemic racism is the real malaria. (laughs) And then they'll just become another fucking social justice organization because that's what seems to happen with uh, charities. They can never just declare mission accomplished and go home. Well, it'll probably be at least a couple decades out, and maybe by then it'll be something other than systemic racism. Yeah, here's hoping. Yeah. Also, the Against Malaria Foundation is not your average charity. You know, they make the list because they keep their overhead really low and, you know, don't don't funnel all the money to the executive director. Yeah. Uh, so I have, I have higher hopes for them than you. But, you know, if they do that pivot, that's a good way to get yourself kicked off the uh, Give Well Top Charity list. Yeah. Um, for the uh, for people that don't live in sub-Saharan Africa um, and are purely self-interested, you should be happy about this, too, because uh, there's some speculation that climate change could cause these mosquitoes to migrate to other climates and make malaria a problem for lots of other people. So it would be really good to have a vaccine ready. Yes. Uh, But, you know, it's uh, really good regardless because lots and lots of people get it. And this will stop that. Malaria, I heard, used to be a much bigger problem in the American South until we used fuck tons of DDT and basically wiped out the mosquito population for a generation and uh now what yeah now we can do that well let's do it again no we can't do it again because now using ddt would be too harmful to people yeah birds birds okay i mean it is it is really Uh, bad actually what really stemmed the spread of malaria in the south was the uh widespread adoption of air conditioning um just because like it used to be that if you wanted to not boil to death, then you needed to go down and jump in the creek. Yeah. Uh, but now you can just sit inside. But uh, I think malaria stopped being a problem in the American South long before adopt- uh, AC became common. Uh, not really. No? Okay. I, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. The South is genuinely a dystopian hellscape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it, it's like... A good century of development behind everywhere else. 
and it's like just starting to uh creep into like the post-war period as far as development goes it is really genuinely awful and if there are any other southerners who actually like it listening yes i know i'm exaggerating for comedy get off my ass but i'm also not exaggerating that much it is terrible uh, our fact checker says that uh, the Army Corps of Engineers spent a lot of time and effort draining swamps, which helped a lot with the mosquitoes. Oh, and apparently the DDT ban uh, is not effect does not affect anti-malaria efforts, so we could use it again if it became a problem here again in the U.S. Uh, hmm. Sorry, how do you figure? Like it seems yeah, like. I, I, as far as I understand. Oh, okay, gotcha. Ah. Uh, yeah, so there's a specific exemption for malaria control on in the ddt ban and yet we still won't sell it to the uh, sub-saharan african countries like why can't they get ddt can we use ddt to kill all the non-malaria carrying mosquitoes in theory yes because i i'd go for that i would also i mean i guess they have i hate them yeah i i would really like to see that gene drive yeah Oh, yes. Because, you know, we're pretty good at wiping out species, I keep hearing. <laughs> and yet there's all these mosquitoes everywhere. Yeah. It's generally uh, the species you can shoot with guns that we're good at wiping out. Yeah. <laughs> Except the ooze, yes. Yes. Um, although I do, do remember hearing about a uh, laser thing that uh, can, like, incinerate... Um, uh mosquitoes that you fucking wear and it self-targets like the fucking thing on the predator movie yeah i would much prefer that because those little abominations deserve a fiery death (laughs) if that was real i would have one i think it's real it's just expensive and not mass produced i mean if it works okay uh all right it's enough enough silliness uh Next story is from David. Uh, what was that you were saying about enough silliness? <laughs> that was just kidding. It's never enough silliness. Politifact Not on the mind that killer. statement false. Uh, so yeah, we have started getting the uh, first few trickles of data in on what people have been using their stimulus checks to buy. And it seems that one of the big ticket items was weed. And on the one hand, this is hilarious because the federal government is sending (laughs) people money, which they are then using to buy um, a substance that's Schedule 1 at the federal level. But on the other hand, and I cannot emphasize this enough, God bless America. (laughs) You see that? A big government action even David can get behind. (laughs) Yes. I I would... I would be behind providing everyone a uh, UBI of weed, psychedelic mushrooms, and or LSD. And if you don't like those things, you could always sell it for cash. Yes. Drug stamps. <laughs> Literal drug stamps in the LSD case. Universal love. Transcendent joy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that takes us to troop deployments, as we all know. Uh, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers so in that spirit we ask each host to send a soldier out on the battlefield every episode and we will start with david yeah so i wanted to talk about long covid um so there are two different things that people talk about when they are referring to long covid uh there is just the general totally normal 
post-viral infection chronic symptoms that pretty much all viral infections have to a greater or lesser extent. Um, and uh, for COVID in particular, this can mean uh, chronic cough, chronic fatigue. Obviously, trouble with the sense of smell is the big one. Uh, but we also don't really talk about, like, long flu or long bronchitis uh, or anything else with, like, other viral infections and, like, the change in sense of smell is the only thing I know of that's really unique to COVID, and that does not seem worth carving out its own category for. Like, I've never lost my sense of smell, so maybe I'm underestimating how important it is, but that just does not seem like that big a deal. Uh, and then there's the other sense in which people who have had COVID or um, even people who just think they have had COVID and may or may not have actually had it, uh, then go on to blame every single, um, uh, health issue they have since then on COVID, and they call that long COVID, and that is just straight up fake news. It originated on, like, a... I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, like, some really weird alternative social justice medicine forum. Hmm. And so, yeah, I think we should... I think we'd probably be best off just retiring the long COVID label because those two things are really mixed up at this point, and one of them is obvious nonsense, and the other is completely normal and we don't have a special carve out for it in other circumstances so yeah i think that term has outlived its usefulness and it is time to retire it all right thank you david eniash uh mine is hopefully pretty short the new york times wrote an article about the slander industry uh they started it off <laughs> yeah by writing a uh False, uh, false article slandering the the guy who wrote it. Basically, he he slandered himself and put it on the New York Times, and surprisingly, this spread and uh, his reputation was tarnished. And there's there's quite an article about you know how how this was picked up by other websites who then you know can charge you a fee to help purge the internet of your of slanderous uh, stories about you, whatever. But I just thought it was incredibly rich that the New York Times, itself being a slander industry participant, uh, wrote a article on this after their whole, you know, Scott Alexander thing and just in general, their reporting practices over the past several years. Uh, listeners, there will be a link about this in the show notes. I will make sure that it's a link to a thing which bypasses the paywall. Uh, so you can click on that without feeling guilty. We are going to go through serious steps here to make sure that no money comes fr flows from through the mind killers <laughs> into the New York Times pockets. Okay. All right. Thank you, Eniash. And thank you, David, for making sure our uh, link hygiene is appropriate. Uh, all right. And my troop deployment this week is about immigration. 
Uh, immigration is back in the news as thousands of people from Central and South America have begun showing up at the southern border requesting asylum, and the Biden administration is struggling to figure out what to do with them. The issue is mostly political. Immigration is generally good for host countries. If you ask David and his economist friends, the best policy on economic and humanitarian grounds is open borders. And that may be true. The problem is that it's hideously unpopular. Immigration, regardless of its virtues, is disruptive. Mass immigration sparks massive backlash in pretty much every country where it's tried. And in a democracy like ours, that means more restrictionist administration gets voted in and undoes the policy. So for practical reasons, open borders is not a viable option, at least for the time being. So what to do instead? Start with the low-hanging fruit. Nearly everyone agrees that we should legalize most undocumented workers who have been here for years. Some people will hate it, but the immigrants are already here, so it won't actually change much for the incumbents. Heartland visas are a great idea that's getting thrown around. These will allow cities and towns who need population to request immigrants. Immigrants are then given visas which restrict them to that locality for a certain amount of time. Seems like a win-win. Expand skilled immigration. Skilled immigrants are great for the economy, and if they take any jobs, which is questionable, they only take jobs from college graduates, who tend to be very pro-immigration, so there's much less chance of, a chance of a backlash. When it comes to asylum seekers, why not do some international cooperation? Negotiate a deal with other developed nations that anyone with a legitimate asylum claim gets entered into the system and is given a visa to a random participating country. Each country can take a proportional to population share of asylum cases. That will cut down on illegitimate claims, since you have to be pretty desperate to agree to be placed in a random country, and it will spread out people so they're less likely to trigger a backlash. And to the extent that some people view asylum seekers as a burden instead of the resource they are, it will create a sense of fairness since the whole world will be sharing the so-called burden. And once we do all of that, then we should be able to actually enforce the rules without creating a humanitarian disaster. We've had the technology for years to prevent employers from hiring undocumented workers, so we could make use of that. Border security would get easier, since there would be more opportunities to immigrate legally, and to the extent it's needed, technological solutions could be used, which tend to work better than, you know, a wall. Now, for the record, I think something close to open borders is probably the correct policy on the merits. But until we can get the public on board with that, let's at least do the more palatable things that are a win for everybody. All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. Remember to follow us. Uh, you can. We have a Patreon that's linked in the show notes. Uh, you can get early access to our episodes and access to our exclusive uh, Discord channel. And uh, leave us reviews, good or bad, whatever. We love them all. Uh, and come back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.